Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everybody and welcome back to the P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy. We are here today to talk about the Qatar Grand Prix main race because we've had two races this weekend with it being a sprint weekend full of drama, full of overtaking, full of sand. It's been quite the uh, quite the experience for us Tommy, hasn't it with new rules being brought in. We we've not really n- known where to look. No, it wasn't the I think it was a pretty uh, enjoyable race. It was a good, uh, a decent amount of action. Uh, maybe not as chaotic as we thought it might be with um, three stops, but boy, there are a lot of talking points because, yeah, a very strange situation, uh, one we've never seen in Formula One really, um, apart from USA 2005. But thankfully, we had more than six cars racing uh, and actually got a proper race in. We did, yeah. And even then, it wasn't the... It was almost what we had was what they should have done with the US Grand Prix to allow all the drivers to take part. Tires, but they yeah. didn't. Inst- well, I know, to be fair, I think it would have had to be even more extreme for that. But uh, don't worry, we're going to go chat about that on our Patreon very soon. Don't worry, coming soon. Um, but yeah, for this one, of course, we had the, the 18 laps as a maximum stint length uh, on any given tyre. If it was a used tyre, then that would be taken away, the, the running laps, not the in or out laps or the safety car laps or anything like that. But like actual full green racing laps were taken off of that. And it was just, it was quite the quite the difficult thing to absorb what was going on. At one point, I thought Valtteri Bottas was going to win the race. There was plenty of things. Albon was <laughs> literally was leading, leading for point. almost a lap. Uh, we, we had a lot going on that uh, we, we almost needed several more graphics to be able to, to really absorb what was going on. Yeah, true. I mean, fair play to F1. They did have the, the graphics that came up that kind of said, you know, Piastri needs to pit on lap by lap 23 or whatever because he's now on this set of tyres or, or or whatever. But the problem was that when you kind of got to the end and like you say, you think that like Bottas or whatever or, or Joe Guan Yu's running fourth or whatever and you go, does he need to pit? Does he not? I can't remember um, because normally, you know, it might be like a case of, oh, well, he, of course, he'll just gamble now and stay out. But of course, they had to do those pits up because they couldn't run the tyres um for a for a very long time so yeah a really strange day of formula one i'd say yeah very strange indeed now let's dive into my most memorable moment and it has to be the mercedes turn one crash i mean we've been predicting it for quite some time we knew it was going to come We didn't probably think it would uh, maybe happen like this, especially with the aftermath and how it all seems to have been very much sorted out. But of course, Hamilton starting on uh, the soft tyre, which was an incredibly strange decision anyway uh, for where he was starting uh, in, in P3. But I guess maybe there was an element of trying to get in front of Max Verstappen 
uh, which uh, was was taken into that consideration of, of that strategy. But but either or, it it did not end well. Uh, of course, Russell started on the mediums. Hamilton tries to go around the outside, and just and just comes in too early. Tries to tries to swing the car in too early. Obviously, I spoke about this a little bit in funniest tweets, but it just seemed as though he thought maybe Russell had backed out or he'd cleared Russell, but that hadn't happened, and he was in the gravel. No, he misjudged it. It wasn't too dissimilar to the kind of Ocon um, thing from yesterday where, you know, you had three cars trying to go into one and one of them essentially has not given the other enough room and then you kind of get a a moment. But, you know, thankfully for Max Verstappen, uh, of course, he is inevitable and uh, watched them to fly off and he took the lead uh, quite easily. Um, but yeah, it was a misjudgment from from Hamilton, uh, and yeah, crazy crazy moment uh, to to start the race. I predicted. I just had a weird vibe that I thought Hamilton might end up winning, and he didn't even last turn one. Sorry. Yep. So if you're looking to blame anybody, it's I would me. say yep. Tom Bellingham is absolutely your first port of call. So uh, so well done, Tommy. I hope you're <laughs> really happy. But yes, that was obviously a massive incident that brought out the safety car. Uh, and all of us, I think, had a collective gasp when that happened. And we all had flashbacks to Spain 2016 uh, for a brief moment, did we not? Uh, question from P1 Patreon user AMG Piper. Do you think that the Mercedes drivers colliding could have a positive effect on the drivers? Now the line's been crossed, do you think they will now give each other a bit more room? That is a very different way of looking at things that yes, I, I hadn't yeah. even I hadn't even looked at it that way. Um, I I'm not going to go down the sensationalist route here. Of I mean, when when it actually happened, uh, I think we both were like, "This is it! DTS, oh, it's going to be drama from yeah, now yeah. on." Um, but since seeing the uh, the video where where Lewis went and, go, and sort of spoke to George and just gave him a little handshake and a hug and, and clearly apologised, and also Lewis's incredibly mature approach of of just putting his hands up immediately and saying, "Yep, yeah, that is one hundred percent on me." After he saw the replay, of course, his team radio was slightly uh, different, wasn't it? The way he's like, "My my teammates taking me out," whatever he said. Uh, but I, I don't think it's really going to change much. It seems like they have got a very respectful relationship Hamilton almost understands Russell's position because in some ways Hamilton was Russell when he went up against Alonso in the yeah. sense of like trying to prove himself and make a big name for himself in a team that can win potentially races in the future so I don't think it's going to change much it seems as though they are very much water under the bridge all good especially if Hamilton has that stance how can Russell be annoyed if Hamilton's just going to say yeah it was my fault I'm really sorry yeah it's a very interesting take actually from AMG Piper that they've essentially got a very dramatic crash between them out the way, which we mentioned like it's been coming, but you know it's much better this situation in a very weird way that one it's kind of Lewis Hamilton <laughs> making the mistake I think has a bit to do with it as well. Um, two, it's just flat out. 100% one of the drivers fault and they've just admitted that and they've just kind of cleared it up you know it's it is in a, a strange way because obviously they'll be hurting that the fact that uh, and we'll maybe get onto this later that what might have been for uh, Mercedes in that race because 
they were obviously very quick. They've always had good race pace, uh, and who knows if they'd have been able to to challenge Max. But um, better that in a strange way than say Hamilton and Russell had collided in Suzuka and it was kind of like a 50-50 thing and they're both blaming each other and it's like oh they need to give each other more room um whereas in a way um sad for uh, DTS and the people that love the drama but it's kind of the least dramatic very dramatic moment of the season <laughs> because it's kind of very much very easily one driver's fault they've said sorry and they've kind of shook hands and got on with it. And also as well, I, I think it helps that Russell was able to carry on and finish yeah. a P4 because it wasn't Russell's fault. He was the one that managed to drive away reasonably unscathed uh, and then produced uh, an unbelievable comeback drive. And as you say, it's with it being Hamilton and then Russell much younger into the team, I think everything played in its favour. I would like to see what happens if it is a 50-50 and you know neither one wants to budge on it being their fault, then I think it's naturally going to be a different outcome. But I think that would be with any teammate pairing. It doesn't have to necessarily be uh, Hamilton versus Russell or even not teammate pairing, just any drivers coming together. So uh, yeah, there you go. That's, uh, that's that covered. Next question, C Fusion PM. Hamilton seems to have had a lot of contact incidents in the last few years. At what point do we have the conversation that this is a recurring problem with him? And what does it mean for the future of Mercedes, given how strong George is? I think this is, this is getting, this is a stretch. This is, yeah. this is a rather large leap of faith, I think, of, of trying to say that Hamilton is crash happy or, or, or whatever. Like, yeah, okay, he might have his odd incidents, but I think everyone does, especially if you're fighting in the sort of midfield, top of the midfield. And Hamilton's, let's not forget that Hamilton has been unbelievable this year uh, at many different points. He's accrued so many, he's, he's literally fighting Sergio Perez for P2 in the championship, in the driver's standings. So you have to say that Hamilton's been, been really, really good. Like this is hands down his fault. But I don't think we're, we're, we're getting to a, a level of a list where we're going, well, Hamilton, you know, is it about Simi? About Simi, you know, stuck the old gloves up in the racing boots? Yeah, not, a, not a chance. Yeah. He's, he's still one of the, he's still top three this season, I would say, even with this. Oh, yeah. Like, like this, uh, this, um, this, this tweet from, uh, from Sea Fusion, yeah. I, I've never seen a more glaring example of you're only as good as your last race because. In my opinion, George has been the one that's under pressure this season. He's way behind Hamilton in the the driver standings. I mean, roll reverse the roles here, and it's George crashing into Lewis. George has made a mistake, taken them both out of the race. I think George is not not to the point where like like imagine the media pressure on George if it was George that had done it because he's really far behind in the title. Um you know, he has struggled for points this season. He'd have made another mistake and it would have been like much a much bigger story. Um, but because it's Hamilton and Hamilton's had a, a very good season and I said it said it last uh, last race, I think it's actually been quite an underrated season because he's nearly P2 in a, in a championship when, uh, you know, and he's got, got the most out of the car. It's just... A rare mistake. Yes, he's had more incidents uh, in the last couple of years, maybe, than he has before. But that's no surprise, like you say, when you're 
battling other cars. Um, you know, as a Max fan, I can admit that would would uh, it's very easy to go, oh, well, Max isn't having incidents, but he's driving on his own at the front. So, of course, he's not. Yeah. Whereas if he's in the mid-pack, yes, or, or battling other drivers, he naturally would have more incidents. So um, I don't really uh, buy this at all. I don't think it's a recurring problem. Uh, and I don't think you can really... Um, be like oh what does this mean for his future because george has been really good because george hasn't been really good um this race george has been brilliant and i think actually it's a shame for george because i think this was his maybe even his strongest weekend of the year because he has looked the the better driver so um yeah i don't i don't think you can draw too many conclusions uh even though for the drama we'd love to but sadly it's just water under the bridge <laughs> for for those yep. wanting more drama. An amicable situation. Uh, let's see when they next come together and if it will be the same uh, same that time as well. Tommy, what is your most memorable moment? Uh, so my most memorable moment uh, is the drivers at the end of the race uh, and the kind of what looked like a bit of a um, sort of light-hearted, oh my God, they're absolutely knackered to now realizing that it's actually quite an insane race and maybe like one that formula one maybe got away with a little bit uh here because you know we we've seen tired drivers before singapore is a great example we always say it's the toughest race uh on the calendar uh we've obviously raced at qatar before as well but we had probably the perfect storm uh or imperfect storm if you're one of the drivers that it was unbelievably hot. The track is very high speed and it was a three-stopper, so they weren't saving their tyres at any point and they were absolutely pushing like crazy. Um, and yeah, uh, watching them in the cool-down room, it was almost slightly you know, comical seeing Oscar lying on the ground being like, oh, um, God, I'm knackered and blah, blah, blah. And them well, having, he was like, laughing, laugh. wasn't he? Yeah, he was having a laugh drivers, about the Mercedes drivers and... and saying thanks very much and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you actually see what happened after the race. And I uh, think I first sort of kind of cottoned onto it after seeing the interview with George where he was like, that was hell, basically. Like, I I'd never experienced anything like it. It was probably borderline too dangerous. And then you hear like Lance Stroll talking about your vision's really blurry and then Alex... Uh, Alban saying that he's gone to the medical center on his own accord because he's you know nearly passing out Ocon threw up in his helmet after like 15 laps or something um and then of course Logan Sargent uh retiring um uh, he had a, a illness anyway by the sound of it or like a, a bug at the start of the weekend and just um kind of caught up with him but yeah I've never never seen it that extreme uh, not that I can remember in a Formula One race, uh, and it sounds like F1's kind of maybe got away with one, uh, one here that it's not been more serious. Yeah, obviously, you know, we we hope that all the drivers have a have a good recovery. Of course, they've got two weeks until Austin, so they should have mm. uh, some a bit of downtime and 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 can recover. And yeah, it was just mad to see that sort of stuff is is so unheard of. Like we've seen it previously, you know, in the sort of maybe two thousands where the, the tires didn't really degrade and you had like the Bridgestones and some of the drivers on the podium were absolutely like, you know, 
sort of stumbling around. But but that was that was crazy. Uh, and I think you know you say it was a, it was an imperfect storm. I think the main contributing factor was was the, that three stop race because we have had a race around Qatar before, and that three stop race just took out the whole the whole you know because you think of how much slower they go when they're not pushing to the absolute limit. I mean, Verstappen was doing, I think, one minute 25s in, in the race, which isn't, you know, too far off what, what we were doing in qualifying. So yeah. it kind of just shows you how hard they were pushing for, for such a, a long period of, of the race. So I think that was probably the big thing. And, and I'm sure that Formula One have realized, okay, we can't do this in in tracks that are like Singapore, hot, humid. And, and, and it is a MotoGP track as well. Yeah, I, I, there's tell. nothing that I would say from Formula One side that they should have done differently because this is a learning, right? This is something that they they wouldn't have put the drivers out there had they thought this was going to be the case. They were they were trying to fix one safety issue and they sort of created another one by doing the, the three-stop race. So I have no doubt that they will take this on board and, and make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, but yeah, uh, just my thoughts go to all the drivers and as you say, like Alex going to, to the medical centre, Ocon, I mean, he didn't tell his team either, did he? he was no. Like, yeah, which, which is just crazy. Um, yeah, but I yeah. mean, fair, fair play to all of them, uh, for, for sticking it out. And obviously for Logan, as you say, was a bit weak after, I think he had a flu. I think it was it mixed mm, with the, yeah, the heat yeah. and humidity. I mean, I, I can't even imagine doing that with a flu like, geez. Yes. Yeah, it's, it was, it was crazy. Like, like you say, it's one, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that yeah, one situation, uh, that's maybe something you can maybe, uh, well, not, not blame F1 for maybe blame. Pirelli for that it's not not quite planned it properly with with the tires but that situation has like you say created uh, another one um that's made it extremely tough on the drivers and it was uh yeah like you, you had moments in, in the race um I don't think I've ever seen uh drivers like lifting their visors up during pit and, stops and george and had his hands yeah. over yeah. Like, down the straight was literally having his hands on top of the steering wheel and you can see the steering wheel kind of going like that and you're thinking these drivers are genuinely trying to to get any kind of cooling that they can yeah yeah it's crazy um yeah um but the humidity definitely. in 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 qatar is 79 percent, and it's 31 degrees right now and it's like jesus yeah because they were talking about it um you know saying that you can see why they had the world cup there in in december and this is you know that that bit earlier than than before and yeah clearly it's just the the imperfect storm like i said of of the weather the pushing and it's a incredibly um high-speed track you know i i, I was you know, it's almost say controversially, but I, I actually think it's quite a unique and interesting circuit. Um, it's just a, a shame that, uh, like, I don't dislike the circuit personally. I think it's a good, uh, a good track and is, is a quite unique one. It looks amazing in qualifying, high speed, um, but clearly that that fact that everything kind of joined in together uh, made it quite a quite a dangerous race, really. For yeah not the reason we thought going into the race we thought it was going to be mm. tires exploding not not drivers pretty much um you know on the edge of what what is physically possible like we've seen we've seen drivers uh, you, you can look back at and this is not to disrespect uh 
Formula One drivers from from like you know the eighties and seventies and stuff. But like you you watch old clips and there's obviously drivers fainting before we've seen like drivers you know like pushing their car across the line. It's really hot, but drivers do this kind of training now like the the training that the drivers have to put themselves through is absolutely insane now so they're like built for it and even with um i think russell mentioned it that you know one of the things he did was put you put yourself in a sauna for ages and you want to want to get out and russell said that he felt that after about six laps that he just wanted to he was done <laughs> like wanted to get out of there um but you can't because you've got a 50 odd lap race to do um and pushing all the time so yeah uh really bizarre uh bizarre situation but i'm glad uh you know touchwood it seems like uh all the drivers are are fine uh all things considered question from fran raraka with the track limits struggle with tires and many drivers feeling unwell due to the hot weather what do you guys think the fia can do to make this gp better since we're going to see it for 10 more years. Yes, uh, for those of you that didn't know or need reminding, yet we're... It's, it's here for a while, uh, is is Qatar. I know that originally this was supposed to be a replacement. Uh, uh, well, not even a replacement, just like a placeholder for the track for that they're building. Track, right, yeah. That I've not heard anything about since uh, they they kind of announced that. So no, it seems like the LaSalle International Circuit is, is staying for, for a bit longer, um, what can they do to make it better? I mean, they can't really host it at any other time during the day because they're literally doing it at night. And <laughs> it's like, what, it's two hours ahead of us, so you know, 11 o'clock at night. So, you know, there, there isn't a, a cooler time of day. I think the three-stop... I think bring softer tyres and therefore they're going to be managing more because I think they brought the C1, C2, C3, which was the hardest... Uh, so they could push the selection. For those 18 laps. So they could they? push and also be, you know, told that they can do three stops. So they could push it as hard as they wanted, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is just me spitballing, but I feel like softer tires it will slow the the, the cars down. They won't push as hard, um, and then they'll, they'll do their usual one stop, and, and maybe they'll be okay. But it's it's difficult. It's difficult to really be able to tell. Yeah, it's not like it's the first race here. Um, like you mentioned, you know, we've raced here before and it wasn't a huge problem. I'm sure the drivers were you know, incredibly shattered after that race still, but not to this extent. And I think it is just that the extreme nature of, of what's happened. You know, if next year we go to the race, maybe it could be later in the season. So it's a bit cooler, you know, closer towards uh, December or, or later in the season. But even without yeah, then it, we're, you then know. we're getting towards finale oh, yeah, territory, finale, aren't we? So. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but that being said, maybe it makes sense to do a a back to back with Qatar and Abu Dhabi as opposed to Vegas and Abu Dhabi, I guess, uh, with logistics. But um, still, or could they um, change the track? Could they could they do something with the track that would you know slow, slow it down or because it, it has to be surely the medium to high speeds and it being constant attack on the driver's body that it's like mm. pulling serious G. Whereas like maybe perhaps rather than these medium to high speeds, they're more, more hairpin kind of, I know it's still a, a hard stop, but I feel like there's less, there's less sort of, a, there's not really the many bodies, slower but... corners is there in the, no. in the whole race. And then, but, but to be fair, I, I think the fact that they have done it before and it's been fine shows that, uh, I think the, one of the key 
uh, and major things that's happened here is um, the fact that you know they're pushing for the entire the whole race. Uh, yeah, the whole race. I think I think Charles Leclerc even said that that that's what made it so brutal is that we were we were pushing and yeah that that's what's made it um, so tough on tough on the drivers. So yeah, they need to they need to learn from it. But I do sort of understand that it's a it's a a perfect or imperfect storm like i've said certainly Uh, next question p1 patreon discord user waverod question for the race review what's going on with all the track limit violations this weekend (laughs) it's just it's similar to like austria is is qatar in the sense of there are these fast corners that the drivers want to make the most of and unfortunately with that they're then exceeding track track limits and it's I don't know. I I had a little chat about this on Funniest Tweets and I feel like it needs to be dived in a bit further of, you know, where where do we sit? Where should we sit on 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 track limits? Because I feel that's the only thing we ever talk about nowadays is is track limits. When you know, you rewind 10 years ago, I don't think we ever spoke about track limits. And I'd love to know when the clicking point <clears throat> was when we all started talking about it because before then, it was a lot more fun, and we just focused on the racing. But instead, we're like, "Oh, did he go outside the oh, white line?" Oh, annoying, Lando loses P two, yeah. even though he goes over an exit curb that slows him down, and it's <clears> it's it's a very it's a bizarre situation to be in because it's not like you can look at another sport and go, "Well, how do they do it?" Because this is really the uh, the the only way. The well, it's the pinnacle of motorsport, Formula One, and uh, you'd think that they would have the cutting edge technology to to potentially fix it. You know, on one side, you could have self-policing curbs which therefore then you know if you think that you're going to be well if they make it slower if they put gravel traps or whatever then maybe that fixes it but you can't really do that around really fast tracks and then you actually create a a, a non-safe environment because if it's a really quick corner and then you go straight into a gravel trap that might actually be quite catastrophic so okay not that i think they spoke uh with someone from the fia who was saying that they're looking into sort of medium long-term solutions which includes electronic sensors and things like that but that requires a lot of technology and it requires investment because at the end of the day it's the tracks that actually have to do this unless formula one bring it in the back of their van which i'm not sure is probably what they're they're going to do or willing to do so there's plenty of moving parts with this that it's not like a an easy fix otherwise i think we would have done it by now exactly it's it's such a ridiculous situation that you know you look at football i know there's been an example recently where they still got it wrong but they have var and essentially it's one football on a pitch uh, and the action is always in one particular place the problem with formula one is you've got 20 cars going around lap after lap and it's 20 balls going around the football field exactly imagine a football yeah like where it's yeah 20 balls and then it's constantly like, oh, did that ball go? Oh, is that ball gone? Out? Oh, wait, wait, wait! Like you, you wouldn't be able to. And it's and it's one person doing it, uh, and that's the problem. It seems like it, it's easy to go, oh look, look, this person's done this, but like we had the conversation uh, on um, Friday, which seems forever ago now <laughs> after qualifying, but um, that these incidents are coming in way after because they're having to sit there and watch through like lap after lap of replays because they can't do it live there's no electronic sensors or anything so it just it is quite ridiculous and it's always going to be a problem on these kind of tracks and i'm so conflicted because 
Hamilton made a point about Lando's lap and being like, I don't, I think they should just let us go, you know, wide or whatever, because you don't actually gain time. Because uh, a lot of the incidents um, that we've seen sometimes looks a bit like a mistake. You know, you get a bit of a swapper and you run wide and you get a track limit warning, but it's like, I'm not gaining an advice. I'm not trying to cut the corner here. You can understand getting a track limit penalty if you're, you know, going on the inside of a curb and cutting a corner or running wide to gain loads of time. But when you've literally made a mistake, um, you know, I think Stroll was saying it, that the the heat exhaustion, everything like that, it was crazy. And you're flying into corners at, at, you know, 150 miles an hour and you're like out by millimeters and you're getting penalties uh is kind of ridiculous but then i know i'm sitting on the fence here but at the same time there's other drivers that haven't got a single <laughs> a single on, thing say it. you um, know who you want to say max for well, max, yet, max did it but there are but there's yeah he, he did, i don't think he got a single even you, you didn't know, get a violation one not check. even one yeah exactly but you know, there's been a lot of other drivers out there that didn't get penalties for now. Maybe, maybe in three days' time, they watch the race back and find out that every driver did do it, and uh, they've all been disqualified. And Carlos Sainz wins the race, but um, yeah, it's just a ridiculous situation now. Uh, and like you say, I actually find it quite boring because it's just like the same thing again and again. And then it would disappear for a bit, and then we'll get back to Austria. We'll have this exact same podcast question. We go, "What do we do?" And I don't know. <laughs> it's it's really it's, not an easy situation to to police. Uh, and part of me makes me think they should just do the IndyCar route and let them just go wide, and that's it. Like let them go crazy. Because yeah. uh, it is. You know, I, I've been calling for a blanket rule for the, for. A, as long as I can remember since we've been speaking about track limits, we've now got the blanket rule. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the lines, you know, it, it's, it's getting a bit farcical in this sense as well, where you know, the, the, the focus is kind of taken off the racing and, and, and it's now all the, the, you know, the changing of positions is happening not on track, but in the stewards room and oh Perez has got another five second penalty. Now Stroll has. Oh Stroll's got another one. Oh Perez has got another one. It just feels like things yeah, are going yeah. on without you actually seeing it because it's like it's all these rules that are being broken that it's yeah, it's it's so difficult. It because there's only certain parts of the track that you will gain an advantage on if you cut or extend a corner. If those corners are self-policed in some way Surely that just does everything and that will be all good and we don't have to talk about it anymore. But it just it just isn't. You know, like remember uh, Hamilton when it wasn't policed in Bahrain that time and he went wide about 20 times and he was having a great time because it wasn't policed. Yeah. If you had something that was self-policing there that he wouldn't actually gain any time, like dirt or... I don't know. I'm just, but it's, it's so weird because uh, we, we F1 fans love a moan and we'll all moan about that when Hamilton goes off 60 times and go, that's not fair. But then I'd also complain if Hamilton ran wide three times in a 70 lap race by three centimetres and you go, well, he's not, it's not flat out cheating, is it? It's just running slightly wide. You know, Three's a black gained... and white flag. So then, then Sorry, there's yeah, one more. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah uh, there's actually... A fascinating video if if you find it on 
uh, on YouTube of some old footage and you mention it about, um, oh, we never used to have this problem. And it's actually from Austria. I want to say about 2003 and they do just let them go wide. And I don't remember that actually ever happening, but they just don't police it. And they go, yeah. well, if you run wide, you're you're bouncing over a curb. You're kind of losing the car a little bit. You're not gaining an advantage, but so you've kind of messed up your qualifying lap a little bit. But why why do you need to like give them a penalty? The penalty is that you've kind of gone off and messed your lap up. So maybe that's the the solution. But oh, we're, never we're never satisfied. Never satisfied. We? We're never satisfied. Thing. It's almost like the the problem is we're so particular over it and it's got to like oh just stay within the white lines but the drivers are always kind of like it's not as easy as it seems yeah especially when you think you know we see it from like t-cam perspective or whatever they're literally in the car like you know off the ground they can yeah, hardly see the front see of their wheels yeah, exactly like it's it's crazy when you actually do it like that you know go on the f1 game and go in cockpit cam and then and then you kind of understand a little bit just how difficult uh, difficult it is but it will be a continuous discussion that we have. Uh, we'll see if they bring any new technology at some point in the near future. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Next question, Acid Green 19. Was this race a good indication that more pit stops doesn't make for a better race? It's interesting because I think that we... You could say that it was a 7 out of 10. It was reasonably enjoyable. It was, it was chaotic because there were loads of overtakes going on. But it was, for me, a little bit too confusing in some ways like as a i can i'm kind of putting myself in a casual fans perspective as well which is what formula one is trying to you know continuously entertain they are the the, the main part of the fan base of the casuals that just tune in on a sunday I, I could imagine i can only imagine how confused they would have been with with everything that was going on uh and and just if you were just to look at the three stop mandatory part that was mental as i kind of you know, alluded to with Albon and Bottas up there and one minute Lawson's last, then he's 10th. And and it just had so much going on. And you know, I wouldn't be against making sure we have two stops in races because I feel like that was a happy medium. But this three stop was extreme. It wasn't done for entertainment purposes. It was done for safety, but it's definitely not something we're going to ever do again, I don't think. No, it's a one-off. But yeah, the race wasn't as absolutely unbelievable as maybe a lot of us were maybe thinking it would be because we were like, oh my God, three stops is going to be absolutely epic and, and chaotic. But I'd argue that, you know, that that race, if it was a one stop, you've still not... It, it, I, I do like having more pit stop because it keeps you guessing and there's things happening during the race and, uh, you know, it's constant entertainment. But 
three tops may be too much. I still think think two is the the way to go, and I will die on the hill of hard, hard, medium, soft in the race. Uh, you get two pit stops, and um, because because those races where it is a one stop, and Max wins, uh, you know, Max won that race from lights to flag, but it was. A lot. Albon nearly oh, sorry, took that nearly away from had him. One, yeah, nearly had one lap, didn't he, Albon? But um, it's not... Yeah, yeah, that was... I'd say that was a better race than the, the one-stops where Max leads from like, lights to flag. So um, not, not necessarily saying it's like the best thing ever, but I would say it was better than a one-stop still. It was an experience, wasn't it? I, yeah. I think that... The beauty of strategy is that there is a level of variation. Some might do a one-stop, some might do a two-stop. What we had was that everyone was forced onto a strategy that on paper is massively fun, but there wasn't actually that much variation that could be done with that strategy, with the amount of laps that were on on the cards in the sense of like, you know, uh, Piastri pit on lap 13. And then after that, we pretty much knew what he would do because he had to go like 18, 18, 16 or whatever to the end of the race. So there wasn't much, it wasn't like we could go, oh, Piastri might go a bit longer here because he wants to avoid traffic. There there was none of that because he was forced into pitting. Yeah, and it's a shame, uh, you know, it was a dramatic moment and like say DTS will be loving it, but it's a shame that that Hamilton was out on lap one and Russell was uh, down the order because Hamilton was on a different tyre strategy um maybe it would have been a bit more interesting not saying they would have beaten max but you'd had maybe a bit more interest between the mclarens and the mercedes at the very least swapping positions a lot and how that would have would have panned out um so that was a bit of a bit of a shame but yeah what a what a chaotic weekend <laughs> yeah i mean the 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 mercedes coming together absolutely gave oscar piastri p2 in in his lap basically didn't it because they came together alonso got caught up i think leclerc also went wide and piastri went on the inside and was like thank you i am now in second place and the bad qualifying has been eradicated almost immediately uh, but i do wonder as you say like if hamilton had you know stayed in the race potentially swung around the outside of verstappen with his soft tires and the, and the pace he might have had in those first couple of laps could they have thrown some sort of spanner in the works uh, with verstappen but then i would say on the flip side of that if both mercedes are in the race mclaren don't perform as strongly as they did and lando's maybe stuck a little bit longer in in the sort of midfield and yeah it, i think it would have been a much trickier race for for lando and for oscar as well yeah agreed Next question comes in from Emily Holt. Do you think if Lando had started P2, he could have won the race? What do you think, Tommy? No, but I think it would have been closer. Um, I think uh, it it was actually quite interesting to see, uh, and it's something that they kind of mentioned, that because of the nature of you have to do stints, Red Bull one of their very strong points is the fact that they can go long on their tyres and they've got fantastic tyre wear and that's maybe something that played into Piastri's advantage that everyone has to (laughs) pit after a few laps and tyre wear doesn't become a problem because you're just pushing and it's all about raw speed. So I think that allowed the McLarens to be closer to Max. Um, 
I don't think he would have won. It would have been fascinating to see if Lando had yeah started P2 and maybe got Max at the start. Then you never know, uh, Max, because yesterday we did see that. Uh, you know, Max didn't win the the sprint because uh, he couldn't get past Piastri and had to think about his tyres and stuff. So. And today's race was basically three sprints, wasn't it? Exactly, so. yeah. So, so you never know. Um, it certainly would have been fascinating uh, to see um, because they were close at the end of the day. Uh, I think McLaren would be a little bit conflicted because there's probably part of them that's like, boy, what a recovery after that absolute nightmare of qualifying when we said they must be kicking themselves. But then I wonder if part of them is also kicking themselves maybe a little bit, thinking if we'd have got pole like we did, or, or like a one-two like we did in the sprint quali, maybe, you know, mm. maybe, just maybe. Uh, would have made for a really fascinating race, uh, the sprint order. Sorry, it's a wet microphone. Just uh, smash the, the microphone. <laughs> the sprint order, uh, grid order for the main race would have would have really been very tasty indeed. Certainly, uh, both between the, the the two McLaren drivers of who's going to win the race and then having to fend off Max Verstappen at the same time. Uh, my answer to this question is probably no as well, but I think it would have been a lot closer. I think Lando showed that he had a bit more pace than Oscar in the race again. And despite it being a three-stop race and the drivers being able to push a lot harder, Lando still had uh, that edge in, in the race, but he had too much time to, to, to sort of catch up. And then, of course, McLaren came over the radio to let Lando know that uh, they are holding position, which uh, to a lot of people, I'm sure, we wanted to see that, that ding-dong action. And I'm not sure how much Lando genuinely uh, put his foot off the gas uh, for that particular battle. But... Yeah, Verstappen said after the race that there was, you know, their, their their advantage wasn't as big because the Red Bull is built not only to be fast but also to be kind on its tires and to have this three stop race, this the one that they you know they had to do three stops, it sort of negated that that end of stint pace that Red Bull always have. Uh, so that's why I think Lando would have been absolutely in the mix. And, you know, Max had a little four-second pit stop as well. And and McLaren were on fire with their pit stops. Just just yeah. want to shout out that. 1.8 seconds for Lando. And I think they had another two and a 2.1 second pit stop as well. They were they were flying. Yeah. The, the turnaround from Bahrain from McLaren has been exceptional. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a, a bigger turnaround during a season for a team from going from literally looking like back markers and being absolutely dreadful um uh they had the brake disc that was this year wasn't it the brake disc problems and things like that at the start of the season looking like they could barely even finish the race to getting towards the end of the season and they're you know finishing races two and three behind Verstappen and banging out 1.8 second pit stops. It's, uh, yeah, McLaren are cooking right now. They certainly are. Uh, right, now let's move to our biggest winner. It can be a driver or a team. And I am going to lock in Alfa Romeo. Absolute goat status for Alfa Romeo. Eighth and ninth after all penalties have been shaken out. Bottas in eighth. Uh, and then Joe in ninth, Perez got another penalty 
right at the end when the celebrations were happening, uh, which demoted him down uh, to 10th. But yeah, Alfa Romeo, I mean, they are, you know, we consider them to be probably the slowest team on the grid at the moment, and they've managed to to run away with six points. Yeah, yeah, shout out to uh, Ruth Buscombe for a bit of a strategy masterclass there, kind of pitting, pitting early, and there are loads of moments in that race where we were constantly going like, Alfa, are they... Are they legitimately in there, or is this, or are they going to like pit with two laps to go and plummet to fifteenth or whatever? But no, um, yeah, what what a performance! When not many points are on the table these days to get both your cars into the points, I, you know, don't want to curse Alfa Romeo, and I'm sorry in advance if I say it, but you've got to think that, particularly with Haas and how dreadful they are, it's going to take some kind of miracle for for them to beat Alfa Romeo now for that eighth place well yeah they overtook them uh yeah. with that result they've gone from ninth to eighth and then they're now four points ahead of Haas and they're seven points behind Williams uh so perhaps they have a, a another miracle somewhere down the line and they might even be able to snatch seventh away from Williams which uh you wouldn't think would happen I think if anything Williams and Albon might score a few more points between here and the end of the season but it's possible hmm yeah, it's got to be it's got to be Alpha for biggest winner definitely. Um, yeah, what a superb superb result. Biggest loser now, and I am going to lock in Lewis Hamilton uh, mainly because there was a podium on the cards. I don't think Verstappen was up for grabs, but I think Mercedes were in a prime position to work together to to utilize uh and and pull away from ferrari as well in the constructors championship but instead hamilton out the race russell finishing fourth it just yeah i, mean, I would say mercedes as a whole but i think hamilton more specifically uh, he had a good opportunity at the start to, to potentially lead but instead uh, caused a rather large incident yeah surely it's got to be hamilton science obviously through no fault of his own not even starting the race as a poor one and maybe this is the frustrated Yuki Tsunoda fanboy in me but I will also mention Alpha Tauri because I'm unless I'm wrong and I do apologize to Alpha Tauri in advance um but uh, if there's a particular reason why this is the case but I watch Yuki Tsunoda racing a lot of the time and he's up there you know you watch the start of the race he's up there in ninth and you've got Stroll, Gasly, Albon, Perez with 500 seconds of penalties and he's still 15th. Like, what are they doing with their strategy? Because he had the speed, he had a good qualifying result, he'd done really well, and you've got to think in a race like that where you've had, yeah, three three retirements, two of them in the top teams, Alfa Romeo have got double points finish, and Alpha Tauri aren't even close to getting points. Like, no wonder they're not scoring points this year if they can't even get a result in a race like that. It's very frustrating as a as a Yuki stan to very witness angry it. Tommy Sonoda mm. fan there giving his opinions. <laughs> and uh, no, fair enough. You know, Alpha Tauri had a terrible weekend uh, this weekend, so uh, maybe they'll bounce back. Uh, but yes, yeah, Sonoda, as you say, was was looking great, and I'm very surprised that it turned into completely yeah, nothing. Exactly. I think you even said during the Twitch stream, like, ah, yeah. oh, watch Sonoda be you know, fighting for the points and then finishing 17th. It was close. It was P15. Yeah. yeah no, okay. 
Let's now go to our predictions that we made on Wednesday and see how we did. My biggest good surprise was Logan Sargent. That did not pay any he dividends. He was looking good at one point. He was. He was a couple of seconds behind Albon. I was like, come on, this is quite surprisingly good, isn't it, Tommy? And you were like, yeah, this is all right. <laughs> and then unfortunately he didn't feel too well and, and had to retire. So new points. Uh, I went for Pierre Gasly, who there were moments during this weekend where I was like, I've pulled an absolute blinder here, particularly in like, you know, qualifying when he was setting really good laps. But no, he decided to become the new Ocon and get 5,000 track limit warnings. <laughs> so no points for you. Biggest flop... I want to apologise <laughs> to Liam Lawson fans because, my God, did the flop come out with full force. Not only did he spin out of the sprint, he got knocked out in Q1, didn't he? I think both times. Yeah. Um, and then finished He's plum last, last the in the main race. So, sorry, but I'll take the point. Thank you. I went for Fernando Alonso, which I can't really claim, even though he went off um, because he still probably got Pretty much the maximum, which is just Fernando Alonso things. Uh, somehow he's got P6 in a race where his arse was on fire and also <laughs> yeah. uh, also went off into the gravel. So, um, yeah, can't really claim that one. Yeah, fair play to, to Fernando Alonso. Still finished sixth despite all of his issues and his car literally being on fire underneath him is uh, just goat things, isn't it, really, from Fernando Alonso. Uh, so, but thankfully, managed to get out of the gravel trap because... Uh, did he get away with the unsafe rejoin? Yeah, he did. How on I don't earth know. It look, it did, did he look get a bit away sketchy. with that? They clearly were um, too busy watching 6,000 replays of cars going off track limits and just didn't They were too busy it. putting a check next to his name for track limits because he went off and into the gravel. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so no, unfortunately, no flop for Alonso. Pole position. We both went for Max Verstappen and we both yep. get a point. Sure did. Sprint shootout. We both went for Max Verstappen. Which was wrong. And that is not correct. So zero points. Uh, for the sprint winner, I went for Max Verstappen. No. And, and you and went I for... I picked the wrong McLaren and went for Norris. Crazy. Oh, Oscar Piastri, it. the legend. Yeah. Fair play to him. Uh, but not to us. No points. And then top three. Uh, in third place, I went for Sergio Perez. Good. Really glad I thought the comeback, the bounce back was this weekend, and it was not. Yeah, I went for Leclerc. Also didn't happen. New. No. Norris second. Damn it. Nearly. Yes. No. <laughs> Same. Went for yeah. Norris second. Didn't happen. And then both of us, of course, went for Max Verstappen for the victory, which is a solid one point. Yeah, we didn't go for Piastri, did we? Because we were, I think we both had that kind of thought of, oh, he's not, he's struggling with tyre wear at the moment. It's not going to mm. uh, work. And then can't have can't have tyre wear when stops, everyone has yeah. to pit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had him kind of in fourth in my mind's eye, but uh, yeah. no, he, he did much better than that. Finally, our one crazy prediction. My pain got some <laughs> reward. <laughs> I went for no Ferrari podium, I've which is correct. Cost. Yeah, exactly. Um, I put Alonso doesn't make Q3, which I am glad I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, 
No points for you, but you are a happy man. Yeah. And then the fans' crazy predictions. My, oh, my. We've got a couple of absolute worldies. Let's get the wrong one out of the way first. Mega Tired Human, Logan in the points. That did not uh, happen, unfortunately, for him. Then Tamsin Riddle, Piastri first win. Oh, my days. I know we shouted you out in the previous podcast, but we've got to shout you out again. That's unbelievable. Fair play. Yeah. And we kind of roasted this one a little bit, didn't we? Like We did. God, you're on the hype train. He's only got his first podium. And obviously, it's not a Grand Prix victory, but it is a first win. First win. Uh, win, Won the sprint. Um, And yeah, fair play. What What a prediction. And finally, Heels Lady. Perez not in Q3. Another... W, although the amount of non-Q3 appearances, we probably shouldn't have said this was a crazy prediction. I'm pretty sure I even questioned it being a crazy prediction at this point. But there we go. Well done uh, to you lot for getting some points for the listeners. And that is that. That is the end of our Qatar Grand Prix race review. Tom Bellingham, how would you sum up some final thoughts for me? Um, I don't know how I can sum up final thoughts. I'm still... I feel like there's so much to process um, from that race. Um, and I guess one thing I'm also thinking of is driver ratings, yeah. as is normally the case on sprint weekends, but I think even more difficult uh, with a crazy race like that. Um, can't wait to uh, to get cancelled for my opinions on that one because it's going to be a difficult one to rate, I think. Yeah, we'll have some comments. What do you mean? Did you not see Kevin Magnussen's seventh stop on lap 47? Where you get, you know, there's going to be a lot of that. (laughs) So uh, we're going to have to do some analysis for sure. Uh, My final thoughts are thank you, everybody, for tuning in to our watch alongs once again. We had amazing numbers and people watching and subscribing and and being a part of this P1 venture. So thank you so much for, for all of your support, as always. And we will see you for another race review podcast in a couple of weeks when we've done austin so that'll be fun won't it and danny rick being back liam lawson's last race being Ooh, plum last ouch. oh That's you pain. cursed him for his last race How yeah sorry um sorry. yeah i think i said this in the watch along that i think Daniel ricardo could still have a a broken hand and he'd race in austin because boy does he love that place um he'd, he'd happily cruise around at the back with his arm in a sling just to race at austin wouldn't he um, absolutely so yeah it'd be cool to cool to see him back uh, and it, it'd be very fascinating to uh to see how he does because we we didn't really get to see it um properly in those in those couple of races that he did we did not and that is it thank you everybody see you soon bye bye P1 is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.